MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Today, Biden is sticking to his August 31st withdrawal deadline in Afghanistan. The Select Committee on the Insurrection will be seeking the phone records of hundreds of people, including members of Congress. Hobby Lobby is ordered to pay $220,000 to a transgender employee who was banned from using the woman's restroom. Democrats passed the $3.5 trillion budget plan and aim to vote on the bipartisan $1 trillion infrastructure bill in September. And a Republican who doesn't live in Georgia and just registered to vote there is now running for Senate in Georgia. I'm Allison Gill. I'm Veronica Corningstone. Tits McGee is on vacation. Hey, everybody. That's right. Dana is on vacation. So it is me solo today bringing the news in my dulcet tones into your ears. I hope everyone is well and having a good week so far. Uh, later in the show, I'm going to be discussing uh, a couple of court case updates with Adam Klasfeld. He's the host of the Objections podcast and uh, one of the editors over at Law and Crime. So stick around for that. And then also looking forward to my trip to D.C. this weekend, where I will get to meet with uh, some of the Beans patrons uh, at a brunch on Sunday. And then we've got another event on Friday night. If you're a patron, you can get all that information on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash thedailybeans. And if you become a patron, uh, you also get these episodes ad-free. And the night before, they come out to the public. And also the same goes for the MSW Book Club and Muller She Wrote. It's a pretty good deal, probably the best deal going at just three bucks a month. Um, now, anyway, we do have a lot of news to get to, so let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay, first story today. President Biden has declared that we are on pace to evacuate everyone that needs evacuating in Afghanistan by the August 31st deadline, set by him, by the way. Uh, I know that there are a lot of reporters and folks in the media who are saying that that was the Taliban's deadline. It is not. The Taliban's deadline was May 1st, and uh, Joe Biden's deadline is August 31st. To date, almost 70,000 people have been evacuated, and the Pentagon says the first U.S. troops will begin leaving Afghanistan. Here's the story on that. Quote, the first U.S. troops have started leaving Afghanistan on the same day. President Joe Biden decided not to extend the August 31st evacuation deadline. That's according to two defense officials. Quote, so far, the reduction does not affect the mission. That's one of the officials said that, adding that the commander on the ground can decide what military personnel are in units that are no longer required. That decision can be based on a few factors, including the number of gates open at the airport, the number of people coming through, and some more considerations as well. Quote, if you can have a smaller mission set and still conduct the mission, then you can reduce your footprint and reduce your risk. That's what the official told CNN. The Pentagon has been acutely aware of the threat posed by ISIS-K and other terror groups around the airport, developing alternate routes to the field for U.S. citizens and Afghan evacuees. In addition, the Taliban have stated openly that they do not want U.S. military presence in Afghanistan beyond the end of August, warning that there will be, quote-unquote, consequences were the U.S. to stay longer. In remarks to an emergency meeting of the G7 on Tuesday, Biden said the threat to U.S. troops in Kabul was one of the key reasons he was sticking to the end of the month as the final withdrawal date. Quote, there was strong agreement among the leaders, both about the evacuation mission underway, as well as the need to coordinate our approach to Afghanistan as we move forward. And that is something Biden said in remarks at the White House Tuesday afternoon. 
Next up, House Democrats on Tuesday approved the roughly $3.5 trillion budget that could enable sweeping changes to the nation's health care, education, and tax laws, overcoming internal divisions in a debate that could foreshadow some tougher battles yet to come. The vote was 220 to 212, a party-line vote. That came after days of delays as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi they say scrambled to stave off a revolt. I say whipped the caucus and and got everybody to do the right thing, as we predicted she would. Um, But there were some moderate-leaning lawmakers that uh, said that they wouldn't vote on the budget $3.5 trillion thing until they voted on the $1 trillion bipartisan one, but they all balked. They they all voted. Um, So the frenzy is resolved, and the chamber averted what could have been political embarrassment. Uh, Of course, it was never going to be that way. The $3.5 trillion budget enables lawmakers to begin marking it up now, crafting a fuller legislative proposal, which Democratic leaders hope to adopt next month. The package is expected to expand Medicare, invest sizable sums in education and family-focused programs, and devote new funds toward combating climate change, fulfilling many of the Democrats' 2020 campaign pledges. Party lawmakers hope to finance a tranche of new spending through tax increases targeting wealthy corporations, families, and investors, rolling back tax cuts imposed under the former guy. Many of the ideas originate in the Jobs and Families Plan uh, that Biden debuted earlier this year. That's how it started. And the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot is posed to send notices to various telecommunications companies requesting that they preserve the phone records of several people, including members of Congress. Preserving communications records is a first step in any investigatory process that could eventually lead to witness testimony. The notices are set to go out as soon as this week and provide the first window into the kind of information that the committee plans on pursuing. Democratic Rep. Benny Thompson, who is the chair of the select committee, has said that he hopes to issue subpoenas by the end of August. Thompson has also signed off on a broader investigative strategy that will serve as a guide for the panel's work going forward, according to a source familiar with the planning document. So they're putting together kind of a you know, one of those uh, charters <laughs> that, that uh, show kind of where they're going. While it remains unclear which members' records the committee is interested in, several Republican lawmakers, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, have acknowledged speaking to then-President Trump by phone on January 6th. I'm assuming they're also getting Tuberville and probably Noon. I mean, there's going to be a lot of members of Congress that are sweating. In an interview with CNN on Monday, Thompson confirmed the committee was poised to send letters to the telecom companies, but also indicated they would be sent to social media companies as well, though he declined to name which ones. And in election news, former University of Georgia football star Herschel Walker launched a campaign on Tuesday for the U.S. Senate with former President Donald Trump's support, bringing both his celebrity and his untested political background to the premier 2022 contest. Walker becomes the most prominent Republican to line up against Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock in next year's race, ending intense speculation that he'll move from his home in Texas to Georgia to run for office. Walker didn't immediately comment, though formal announcements are expected within days. He filed paperwork Tuesday with the Federal Election Commission establishing his candidacy, a move that came shortly after he registered to vote in Georgia. In other Georgia news... Georgia now has one of the highest voter registration rates in the nation, with 95% of citizens over 18 years old signed up to vote. That's according to federal election data released this week. And hats off to Stacey Abrams. The number of Georgia voters has jumped since 2016 when the states, uh, they state started automatically registering voters when they got a driver's license. There are nearly 7.2 million active registrations in Georgia as of November's election, leaving just 387,000 unregistered people in citizens uh, that are of voting age, according to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission biennial report, which was published on Monday. Many of those who aren't registered to vote are ineligible, 
actually, because they're serving felony sentences. Over 265,000 Georgians couldn't vote because they were incarcerated, serving parole, or on felony probation. That's according to data from the 2019 um, report compiled by Reform Georgia, which is a criminal justice advocacy organization. Meanwhile, judges have restored voting rights for an estimated 55,000 North Carolinians on parole or probation for a felony. GOP state lawmakers who were defending the law in court plan to appeal Monday's ruling to a higher court, but if the ruling is upheld on appeal, the people convicted of felonies in North Carolina will regain their right to vote once they leave prison. Quote, everyone on felony probation, parole, or post-supervision release can now register and vote starting today, the challenger's lawyer, Stanton Jones, said in a text message Monday morning after the ruling came down. All right, we'll be right back with Adam Glassfeld right after this. Stay here. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Allison for The Beans. Mass-produced products today are primarily geared toward being quick and cheap to produce, and quality is not a high priority. And that way means we have to buy more, and more stuff ends up in landfills. It's just not sustainable. And our sponsor today is American Giant. They have set out to bring the best craftsmanship and attention to detail back to the marketplace. Bayard Winthrop, who's the founder and CEO of American Giant, was determined to make the best t-shirt on the market because he wasn't satisfied with what was available. Uh, American Giant's best-selling premium slub tees, iconic silhouette, is made in the United States with quality care, made with custom heavyweight slub fabric. It's not see-through. It's non-torquing like a lot of the other slub tees on the market. And American Giant spent over a year obsessing over the fabric and tested a bunch of different variations until they found the right one. It is made with 100% American-grown cotton with a rich and varied texture that gives it a very unique look, and it holds its shape and its color wash after wash. With its custom fabric and tailored fit, American Giant's premium tee is incomparable to other tees. The premium tee is immediately caught my eye because of its comfort and quality and its fit. It looks good, and it keeps on looking and feeling just as great even after many washes. American Giant offers the highest quality clothes that feel and look fantastic, so get your new favorite tees at American-Giant.com today. Use the promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, for 15% off your first order. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am joined today by our intrepid court reporting updater extraordinaire and host of the Objections podcast. Please welcome Adam Klasfeld. Hey, Adam. How's it going today? Going well. How are you doing, Allison? I'm doing well today. We've we've had a, a string of good news, uh, which which may come to an end in this interview. I have a feeling, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go through some uh, some docket updates here with you. First of all, um, just tweeted out a couple of minutes ago that a federal appeals court has rejected a proposed misconduct exception, which is keeping a memo of Trump asking the NSA director to refute Russia stories hidden from public view. They want to keep that secret. Can you tell us a little bit about this story uh, from one of your colleagues? Yes. Um, one of my colleagues, Jerry Lombe, uh, just published a story about a federal appeals court essentially rejecting a FOIA request by the government watchdog group Protect Democracy, seeking a memo that in the wake of the Mueller report, we kind of found out a little bit more about uh, former President Trump asking the NSA director to refute the Russia stories. So in the wake of the report, in fact, uh, just about a week after the report was released, Protect Democracy went out seeking this FOIA request and it was rejected at the lower court and it was rejected on appeal. Now, Protect Democracy uh, argued that sometimes courts recognize when there's a claim of government misconduct, the court will forego the exemption, say the exemption doesn't apply, 
but basically the three judge panel and it went across party lines here uh, ruled that the DC circuit doesn't recognize any sort of misconduct exemption. So it means that we are not getting any more transparency about that memo reflecting Trump's call with the NSA director at the time. And what was the argument here? Was it deliberative process privilege, executive privilege? Did they, how did they argue this case? It was basically executive privilege. Now, if I can quote directly uh, from the ruling here, uh, the court did grant in-camera review and that it was properly withheld pursuant to FOIA exemption five, the circuit court ruled. Uh, it was initiated by the president in which he did sought and discussed uh, information relevant to his deliberation. So there's deliberative process privilege at play, but it says also here, such a document falls squarely within the scope of presidential communications privilege. So it was a set of uh, dual grounds here relevant to his deliberation over issues connected to foreign relations and intelligence gathering, and also falls within the scope of presidential communications privilege. And apparently it's not the court's job to decide whether it's deliberative to ask the NSA director to lie. <laughs> Such is <laughs> the state of FOIA law. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we reporters very often and watchdog groups as well hit a wall when we're trying to sniff out the government misconduct. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, and even for my own personal FOIA information, <laughs> it's, been, it's been it's been slow going and pretty 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 difficult. Uh, maybe my friends at in the Senate VA committee will will help. But I digress. Um, <laughs> next up, I want to talk about this is coming out today too. Paxton, we know uh, Attorney General of Texas, right? Ken Paxton uh, has exonerated himself. Can you can you tell us what's going on here? So the office of Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton has released a report with the following sentence, A.G. Paxton committed no crime. It was in a report under the letterhead of the office of the seal of uh, A.G. Ken Paxton and A.G. Ken Paxton found that these bribery accusations against him by several employees, uh, former top aides were uh, baseless in his, the view of his office. Uh, he came out with this hundreds of pages of report and exhibits essentially clearing himself. And uh, he's currently being sued. He was sued earlier uh, in the year by some of these former aides. And I went to get a comment from their lawyer who sent a pretty blistering statement calling it a quote, half-baked self-exoneration. Uh, the takeaway from this internal report, they say, uh, is that Ken Paxton remains under federal investigation. The people who still work for him say he did nothing wrong. Uh, that was their attorney, TJ Turner, uh, wrote to me in an email. Uh, notably, whoever wrote, whoever in Paxton's office wrote this report was not willing to put their name on it. Now, that's true from the statement. There is no signature on this. We, it's an anonymous report, essentially clearing the guy who runs the office that produced the report. Uh, I asked the FBI for an update on the investigation. They declined comment. They declined comment on the report as well. So that is by all accounts, still active. They, the 
underlying allegations that he was responding to was the his, the use of his office with regards to a, a real estate investor in Austin called Nate Paul. His uh, place was raided. Um, he was a donor to the attorney general and he was under investigation by the FBI as well, reportedly. Uh, the one accusation from the lawsuit was that A.G. Paxton did favors in return for a job for Paxton's mistress, uh, according to the Houston Chronicle. So uh, these allegations have been in the mix for a while. The investigation has been in the mix. And A.G. Ken Paxton's office wants you to know that A.G. Ken Paxton did not commit a crime, did not do anything wrong. As a matter of fact, it's his former top aides that pretty much his office skewers in this report. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, or, nor do I work in an ethics office about, you know, recusal or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, I just I just finished talking to Ellie Honig, who did a story, who, who told a story in his book, Hatchet Man, about how he had to recuse from a case one time because his father's law partner represented a potential witness in one of his cases like three decades earlier. Uh, but here we have the attorney general of Texas exonerating himself in a, in a, in a I'm, it's just in an anonymously authored report. Well, you know, I mean, you know, A.G. Paxton has had a, uh, let us say, unusual tenure as attorney general where he has spent the most of his tenure under indictment for security fraud uh, that indictment never went away. Uh, that was a state case that is still pending while this investigation is going on. He's also the same attorney general who led the uh, Hail Mary quixotic effort by various states to overturn the election. So this is uh, <laughs> an, another example of the Lone Star State top prosecutor doing things his own way. Wow. Yep, and uh, I th I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the grandson of Jaworski from Watergate is running against him. So uh, go Jaworski. Um, <laughs> uh, it's just a very interesting uh, office uh, of attorney general from top to bottom. It, it may be a difficult fight because we have to remember that A.G. Paxson also won re-election while remaining under indictment for security fraud. So it'll be a, a bitter battle in the state of Texas. Yeah, for sure. Always is. Uh, but you can count on at least one Republican on the ballot having been or currently a felon. Um, all right. I'm <laughs> going to I mean, I remember the lineup for the RNC, you know, in 2020. I was like, how many? Uh, you know, I, I think I joked around like, I wonder who's making the arrangements. I mean, arrangements for the RNC speakers. Um it's just sort of how it goes. Uh, I, I have some questions about a really good piece of news that I want to talk to you about, but I have to take a break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. We'll be right back. Hello, hello. It's Allison for The Beans. And in the endeavor to focus more on my nutrition and health this year, I've researched and tried pretty much every omega-3 supplement on the market. And my favorite by far is Iwi. Iwi's secret is algae, which is a whole other level than plain old fish oil. Iwi realized that fish get their omega-3s from algae, so they go straight to the source. You get to skip the middle fish, and you skip the nasty fish taste, too. Iwi's proprietary form of algae leads to 50% more absorption as well, which is the world's highest absorption by any source for omega-3. And in a clinical study, Iwi cholesterol helped reduce 
bad VLDL cholesterol by 20, 25% on average in just three months. So if you want to give a boost to your health, adding Ewe to your self-care supplements is a must. Support your heart, brain, vision, and overall wellness with Ewe. All of Ewe's products are plant-based, and the algae is sustainably farmed in the United States. So go to ewelife.com slash dailybeans and use code dailybeans, all one word, to save 30% on your first purchase. That's huge. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. ewelife.com. That's I-W-I-L-I-F-E.com slash dailybeans. And then use code dailybeans for 30% off your purchase. ewelife.com slash dailybeans and code dailybeans. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And today's show is also brought to you by Everlane. I absolutely love all the stuff I get from Everlane. Adventure doesn't always have to mean a trip abroad or getting lost in the wilderness, right? Some of my favorite everyday adventures. Happy hour, brunch, taking the dog for a walk. I love these things. Reading a book, right? The next book I'm reading, The Reckoning, right? Mary Trump's book. So whether you're exploring the world or just relaxing while trying to, you know, find a new flavor of mimosa... Everlane has premium essentials to outfit you in comfort. I love the versatility of Everlane. Their pieces can be used to dress up or down. You can wear them for anything, going out or relaxing in. I am a big fan of Everlane because they've been making quality clothing using sustainable materials and ethical factories since 2010. Plus, they have transparent pricing, and they share exactly how much their product costs to produce at each stage. Searching for the perfect pants? Everlane's denim stays comfortable and versatile all year long. Skinny to relaxed, slim to athletic, you can find the perfect cut that fits your form just right. All made from certified organic cotton and the world's cleanest denim factory with zero landfill waste. From workout to takeout, from swimwear to trackwear, Everlane has styles for lounging at home or hitting up your favorite late-night spot. Everlane accepts returns within 30 days of the ship date, and all uniform clothing comes with a 365-day guarantee. So go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping and get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up today. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the uh, host of the Objections podcast and court reporter, amazing, uh, covering court news from across the land, but mostly where it counts, Adam Klasfeld. Adam, before uh, the break, I alluded to some good news. Tell us what's going on in this Hobby Lobby case. So an Illinois appellate court ordered Hobby Lobby to pay $220,000 for forbidding a transgender employee for using the women's restroom on the job in violation of the state's Human Rights Act. Now, this is, according to the ruling, the largest award ever given for violation of state's human rights law. And the court was unanimous that it was merited in this case because of longstanding discrimination against Hobby Lobby's employee, Megan Somerville. And after she transitioned, uh, sometime after starting work, a little bit more than a decade after uh, being employed for Hobby Lobby, she started in 1998, uh, she informed her employer about her transition and her intent to use the restroom. And for years, she was not allowed to do it. And the ruling really recounts in detail the daily humiliation discomfort, trauma, and that she experienced in describing why what the court called the largest award of its kind in the state's history was justified. Now, one thing to note about the opinion, the lead author was a Republican. Uh, so the composition were two Republicans and a nonpartisan. Uh, sometimes these issues are very often seen through a political lens, but this was 
a, the judges found a straightforward application of human rights law that hum, that Hobby Lobby violated uh, this woman's rights for years, leaving her, in her words, emotionally devastated. She broke down crying uh, as a result of Hobby Lobby's policy. So it was a resounding victory for her. Uh, it is unclear because this is an intermediate court of appeals that whether or not this will go higher to the state Supreme Court. But that said, uh, after a resounding defeat like this, having spoken to her lawyer, her lawyer is hopeful that they'll look at what happened at the Intermediate Court of Appeals and how they resoundingly lost with a, uh, with a panel of two Republicans and one nonpartisan and just see the writing on the wall. They've lost at every level of this fight, Hobby Lobby. So uh, this was a resounding victory for Megan Somerville. Yeah, I, I although I wouldn't be surprised if, if Hobby Lobby doesn't want to take it as far as as they can go, as right. as is in their nature to do, and they know who's sitting on the Supreme Court, um, if it makes it out of the state Supreme Court and and up <laughs> any higher, is that is which I assume is a feasibility. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of where Hobby Lobby's religious freedom uh, sort of wheelhouse lies uh, is is on this new six three court well right now well we're waiting and seeing as i said we're only in the state level right now in an intermediate court of appeals we don't know if it's getting appealed any further on the state level and i'm of course keeping in touch with the plaintiff's lawyer and uh reached out to uh hobby lobbies council uh, to find out what direction this will be going. But this ruling was really extensive and emphatic. It was a 26-page ruling that just laid out all of the emotional turmoil and uh, injuries that this employee suffered for essentially experiencing this discomfort, humiliation on the job for years. Yeah, pretty pretty unequivocal ruling here. So hopefully this is where it ends. But thank you very much for all this information. It's always great to have you. Tell everyone where they can find you and follow you. Uh, absolutely. Well, I'm the managing editor for lawandcrime.com. Uh, you can find uh, us at lawandcrime.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Classfeld Reports. And my podcast is Objections with Adam Classfeld. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. It's an awesome show. Thanks for doing it. We appreciate it. And thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, it's Allison again for the Daily Beans. And this portion of the show is brought to you by my favorite sheets, Bowl and Branch. Sometimes it's the little things that make the biggest difference. And sleep is very important to me, as you know. We talk about it all the time. Uh, but, you know, other things like small gestures of kindness or an unexpected compliment, these tiny details can leave a lasting impression. And the little things we do all add up to the legacy we leave behind. And Bullard Branch was started by a husband and wife team that wanted to create a textile company that cared about the details and the planet and it would make their products to last. You will feel the difference in their best-selling, beautifully crafted signature sheets. I am crazy about my Bull and Branch sheets. They make my bed perfect. It's just the, I love sleeping, and they're so buttery soft and luxurious. The ultra-refined luxe fabric has spectacular drape and a silken feel, which I love. The podcasts love it. The cloud weight super so soft sateen weave gets softer 
with every wash too, not harder and weirder. And they have the perfect balance of weight and breathability to pamper warm or cool sleepers throughout any season. And there's no middleman between you and Bowen Branch, so you get luxury quality for the fairest price. They stand behind their products and honor a 30-night worry-free guarantee if you're unsatisfied. So to experience an entirely new standard of comfort, visit BowenBranch.com. You get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's Bowen Branch, B-O-L-L, and Branch.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. And today's show is brought to you by my new favorite snacks, Toodaloo. Okay, you can now say goodbye to boring, bland, and unhealthy trail mix. All, all the gross trail mix made with ingredients that are grown with toxic chemicals that hurt you and the planet. Most trail mix on the market is filled with processed sugars and dirty nuts that are dry roasted in toxic refined oils like canola, palm, or soybean. But not Toodaloo. Toodaloo is the world's, the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant protein, superfoods, and adaptogenic herbs like lion's mane, uh, ashkawanda, and reishi to help balance and support your body and mind. Toodaloo comes in five unique tasty flavors. Chocolate, maple brittle, mmm, so good. Coffee, barbecue, hot and spicy. The ancient herbs in each flavor uh, have a specific function in the body, like either better skin or better gut health or a chill mood. Um, I love their barbecue flavor. It's called Smoke Show. It has 42 grams of plant protein per bag. It's also low in carbs and supports energy flow to fuel your day. Toodaloo is grain-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic neutral. And the most satisfying and best-tasting trail mix I've ever had is Toodaloo. For each order placed, Toodaloo, uh, they, they actually regenerate 100 square feet of polluted farmland back to rich, fertile soil. So nutritious food for you and a cleaner planet for us all. And we've got a special offer for you. You get $5 off your first order of Toodaloo. Just visit toodaloo.com slash beans. That is the cutest URL in the history of URLs. Toodaloo.com slash beans. T-O-O-D-A-L-O-O dot com slash beans. And Toodaloo is so confident that you'll love it. Each purchase is backed by a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack. Seriously, it tastes incredible. So visit toodaloo.com slash beans and try it today. All right, everybody, it's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have anything you want to submit for the good news segment, whether it's a confession or a correction or an it, weird combinations of idioms or if you have a misheard song lyric or you want to play What the Mutt with us, um, happy places, photos of your kids, your pod pets, whatever you want to send in, send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Today, from Hedda Ray, pronouns they and them, has a correction. I love the Leguminati. I especially appreciate your coverage regarding Afghanistan as it provided some needed context to understand what's happening. I've got some corrections. I get that the treason pillow episode focused on the author of an op-ed piece rather than the news story, but I wanted to address a couple things brought up in that interview, even if it wasn't brought up by AG. As a parent of a child who is under 12 and thus can't get vaccinated, the pandemic is not over for me. We are still in full precautions mode in my house, made harder by the fact so many businesses have dropped the social distancing and mask requirements and have no date as to when they're going to change even though my child started asking on a daily basis when he can get the vaccine. I checked. No trials in our area. For everyone still keeping up on the masks and social distancing even after the vaccination, I really appreciate you. It makes it so much easier when those of us who still have an unvaccinated child or an immunocompromised family member have to do things like get groceries. Second, I object to the idea that if any country handled the pandemic well, it would be some really tiny country. Isn't really accurate. 
my vote for the country that has the most effective response is Rwanda, which is in the top third for when uh, ranking countries by population, so not tiny. Their leadership and population took COVID seriously from the beginning. Their strategies ranged from mass COVID tests and contact tracing all the way up to using human-sized robots to check vitals, do COVID screenings, deliver videos to teach people about how to protect themselves and others by doing things like wearing masks and deliver meals to those who have been infected. Using these robots allowed their healthcare system to deliver information and medical care while protecting healthcare workers from exposure. Because of the leadership and investment in infrastructure to handle pandemics early on, Rwanda's total deaths from the entire pandemic is 1,027. That is a death toll smaller than Washington, D.C., even though Rwanda has a population nearly 19 times that of D.C. Just because American popular media doesn't like to admit that a country in Africa where 60% of its population is involved in agriculture had more effective, a more effective response to the pandemic and as healthcare robots doesn't mean they aren't out there. A year after I first heard about it, I'm still total jelly uh, over Rwanda uh, having healthcare robots and how they protect their healthcare workers. Rwanda managed to delay their first wave of the pandemic, which started in the spring of this year for them. Due to difficulties with emergent nations being able to obtain the vaccine in, in sufficient quantities, only 6.5% of its population has been vaccinated. But the fact that they've staved off the first wave of the pandemic for this long is still really damned impressive, and it gave them a chance to find out more about effective ways to treat COVID before the first wave began. I also wanted to express thanks for AG for being so open with her experiences and vulnerabilities. Daily Beans is part news and part group therapy, constantly reminding us we aren't alone in our feelings. For pet tax, here is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's belly for you. It amuses me to think that cats are always painted from the top down. Some of them just run out of paint before they get to the bottom. Oh, look at Ruthie. What a honey. Oh, my gosh. And thank you so much. Had a ray. That that was a really, really amazing submission. And there's citations and research. This is wonderful. I really appreciate this and I appreciate you. And if anybody out there has a, a high school student uh, who needs to do a report, this would be a great subject. I think all the links will be available in the um, show description. So thank you again for that. What a what a great submission. Next up from anonymous pronouns he and him, AG, DG, and the Beans team. Thanks for all you do to keep listeners like me informed and laughing. It does wonders for my mental health to be able to ingest the constant avalanche of foolishness these days with a side of snark and sarcasm. I'm writing in response to Holly's good news from Tuesday, specifically in regards to her son, who is going into nuclear engineering at Purdue. I have a nuclear engineering degree from a different Big Ten university, but I wanted to offer up my contact info to the budding nuke in case he has any questions about the field or the industry. For those unfamiliar, there's so much more to nuclear technology than just power generation. I've been working in nuclear medicine for over a decade now, and I find it to be tremendously rewarding and exciting, knowing that my efforts indirectly help people dealing with cancer, heart disease, and other conditions that can be detected or treated by radiopharmaceuticals. Please pass along my name and email, as I would be happy to be a point of contact in the nuclear medicine industry should Holly's son be interested in making a professional connection. On a semi-related note, the company I work for, Cardinal Health, recently instituted a vaccine mandate for nearly all company employees in the United States, set to take effect later this year. Cardinal employs around 30,000 people nationwide. I wanted to bring this up to fellow listeners in light of the discussion on Tuesday about identifying employers who are requiring vaccinations. I'm proud to work for a company that's leading the way in the healthcare industry on this critical issue. As for me, my girlfriend and I got our jabs at the earliest opportunity in the spring, and I'm grateful that it has allowed us to travel to see family and friends this summer. For Pod Pet Tax, I attached photos of our two cats. Figaro, 14, is a slender mama's boy who adores belly rubs, while Vesper, 5, 
named after Vesper Lynn from Casino Royale, nice, is a chonky split-faced calico. Thanks for the news and the laughs and all the hard work you do to keep us informed and entertained. And yeah, that that slonk needs a belly rub. And look at the chonky face. Oh, so adorable. <laughs> what is she pondering in that last photo, I wonder? But what a great what a great uh, offer, Anonymous, and we'll see if we can connect the two of you. Um, Holly, if you have any interest um, in this anonymous subscriber and submitter uh, and their uh, email address to, to put in contact um, with, with your son, that would well, be awesome. What a cool network of people. What an amazing community you all are, seriously. Next up from Cheryl in Eagle Mountain, pronounce she and her. Beans Queens. My husband has been listening since the Mueller days. He gifted me a membership so I can listen if he's not home. I listen every night. My son just started at the Tyson Packing Plant that just opened in Utah. They're requiring their employees to be vaccinated. This is such great news since my son is a kidney pancreas transplant recipient and has a low immune system because of his anti-rejection meds. Ah, yes. I know Tyson got a bad rap at the start of COVID, but the company is stepping up to make sure they're a safe environment to work in. At least that's true in Utah. Love your show. Cheryl, thank you for that. Thank you for that submission. So it looks like Tyson Foods, the packing plant, at least in Utah, is requiring vaccinations. So thank you for that. Next up, Amy, pronouns she and her. Hello, beautiful souls. You are part of my morning routine. I feel incomplete without hearing your take on the news. My good news is that I hit my 500-day streak in Welsh on Duolingo. Ooh-hoo-hoo. My accent is still terrible, but I'm having fun. There are a lot of sentences about parsnips. <laughs> Do the Welsh have an unusually high interest in parsnips? Hmm, maybe one day I will go there and get to find out. I have a very tiny minor correction. Tiaga County, PA is pronounced Tiaga, not Tiaga. Okay, Tiaga. Why Doug Mastriano thinks they need to audit a ruby red county that broke three to one for the former guy is a mystery. It could be because there were votes for Biden and all. <laughs> or it could be because he's an asshole. Amy, I think it's the latter. Thanks for all you do. Attached is Darth, real name asshole, killing my flip-flop. Oh my god, look at that kitty. That is amazing. <laughs> He's so cool. I love ginger kitties. Yeah, and they eat flip-flops too. Next up from Lisa Mia Moore. Pronouns she and her. Hi, I'm a clinical lab scientist working at a 500-bed hospital in Glendale, California. My hospital has finally issued a vaccine mandate. If an employee is not fully vaccinated by September 30th, they will be fired. I was fully vaccinated in January, so I'm hoping I can get the booster soon. More photos of the babies below. Griffin is the tuxi, and Lil Sebastian is the belly is, is the belly in the box. Bye-bye, Lil Sebastian. Boxes are the best gifts for cats. You'd spend, you know, your paycheck on cat toys, and they will just want the box or a piece of aluminum foil ball in, rolled up in a ball or that little ring that comes off the gallon of milk on the top, that milk ring. Excellent cat toy, just in case you were all wondering. And finally, from Consigliere. Y'all are like the safety line that scuba divers use underwater, except for daily life on land. Thanks for all your efforts and all your care. Please keep the faith and keep doing what you folks are doing. Oh, thank you so much, Consigliere. I appreciate that. Uh, every time I think of scuba divers, I think of the scene in Splash when Eugene Levy is down under the water uh, looking for mermaids, and one of the, I guess, the first mate is in a, his chair is on on the on the oxygen hose. I think that's uh, I just that's what comes into my head. So I hope we're not that. <laughs> 
but I appreciate the analogy. And y'all are just so amazing. Just awesome. And Dana will be back tomorrow. Thanks for putting up with me solo. I appreciate you. I appreciate you all. I appreciate this amazing community of people and just being willing to reach out and give a hand. Because, you know, I mean, right now it's kind of quiet, but election season is just around the corner, and, and we're going to need each other. We're going to need each other a lot. So I appreciate you. And until tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G., and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. <laughs>